Hey folks, just a quick note here. The episode for Avengers United We Stand was mercifully aborted by Ben's recording equipment. So with that, we move on to X-Men Evolution. Hello and welcome to the Animation Aficionados. Uh, tonight we will be talking about X-Men Evolution. This is, of course, your host, Ben. This is Mr. Neil. And I'm Jesse. Hi, how are you? Good. Uh, now, this is uh, the last series that we will review of the uh, Marvel Animation uh, look back. Uh, after this episode, we will be talking about the Marvel Animated movies as a whole in one episode, because I don't think they warrant individual episodes for each movie. Now, with the X-Men Evolution, lots of things changed. Uh, for instance, Marvel pretty much just gave up and said, okay, we can't do this. Warner Brothers, you do this now. And it you can tell, because the first thing we have is actual, real character designs meant for animation. And they gave us real characters this time, too. Yes. Especially with the villains. Yes. I actually cared about the villains in this show. Which ones? Well, I've only watched the first seven episodes, but all of them. Uh, Toad, uh, for a while Rogue was kind of a villain. Uh, uh, Blob. Because they made you feel sympathy for the Blob. He's not just going, cootie fruity, you know, like <laughs> he did in the first show. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Yes, it is a better constructed show overall because they just approached it differently. I also say this start off, I mean, I like this series, but it's not one of my favorite series, mainly because I'm not really that big a fan of the X-Men. I mean, I was back in the 90s, but nowadays, anything that has the X-Men, part of the X-Men um, idiom, just kind of leaves me cold. But that being said, this was a good series. Yes, it truly was a it truly was a very good series, and the biggest strengths there was, like I said, Marvel knew that their animation studio was, you know, well they produced stuff like Spider Man, <laughs> so they they decided to you know go back to formula. That was a joke. Anyways. <laughs> One thing I did like about this series is that I wasn't married to continuity. Of, of mean, course not. This is this is a completely different continuity. It was going with the original feel, the original intent. Uh, uh, Mutant Hood, you know, the well, comic-wise, most mutants, to uh, to use a phrase, pop or you know, emerge when in adolescence, mm -hmm. and uh, the producers use that as a vehicle where you know. The mutants themselves are teenagers, which was actually one one of the first intents when Jack Kirby first created the comic, because in the original X Men, the whole team were teenagers. Yeah. And uh, this, for better or for worse, in the first two seasons are which the ones that get bashed on the most, because it focused on the high school teenager stuff more than the other things and. For better or for worse, that's what the decision that they made. And the first two seasons were not as good as the last two seasons. But I don't think it's quite as bad as with, to borrow from another show, how Enterprise was. 
With Enterprise, you had three seasons of crap and one season of good. I will say that the whole going to high school thing kind of um, confused me a bit. I mean, isn't Xavier's Institute supposed to be a school, but then they also go to regular high school? That I think that makes sense because the big thing is, you know, if they have if they are that far separated from humans, you know, going to their own special school all the time, then what does that say about them to them? Well, I can understand that, but it still doesn't make sense that they live at a school, but they still, and they go to that school, but they also go, like, to another school. I mean, is it like the mutants have, like, is it like meat and cram school or something? I guess. I'm, I'm just saying that I understand the intent, uh, uh, at least logically, that to not create a sense of being better than humans. You know, and also having to know humans, interact with humans, and understand how to use their powers around humans for them to be around humans. That that all makes sense to me. For whatever reason, it just makes sense to me. And, you know, like I said, it, you know, like, like you said, it's not married to past continuity, even though it does use past continuity as a suggestion guide. Which is great, which is, which is how, uh, which is how you, you get the good stuff, but leave out the crap. For example, they took the character of Senator Kelly, who in the comics was like the first major um, non-superpowered enemy of the mutants, like the big government guy who wanted to like, have them all put in camps and stuff, and they made him the principal of the high school. Yes. Yes, but they did hint that he was interested in politics. Yeah, in one of the later seasons, didn't they have him like running for like a mayor or something? No, that he was mentioning he was he had an interest in politics. He didn't start running yet. Oh yeah. And you know, like I said, that's the big thing. There's a there's lots of good ideas and bad ideas overall in this series. And overall, I think the good and the execution of the good far outweigh the bad, especially looking at the past track record. It's it's overall a much better constructed series from beginning to end in, in just the production because we actually have real animation this time. Another thing I really like about this series is what they did with Rogue. I mean, in the 90s X-Men cartoon and like for a very long time in the comics, Rogue's main thing was that before she became a good guy, she absorbed the powers of Miss Marvel who was basically a flying brick. And basically from that moment on, she was a flying brick, and her whole touch people to drain their energy was basically kind of like an afterthought. Yes, it was a, it was secondary. Well, in this show, that's her main ability, her only ability, and that's the one that she has to use the most. Neil, you've been a little quiet here. I mean, you, you're an animation aficionado like we are. What did you think of the production values? Did, did they definitely show a little bit more... You know, a little bit more bang for the buck here? Oh, the production values are way up. Uh, the, 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 the designs are uh, made for animation, and they're more expressive, and each character has their own build of face. It's not, not like uh, the, the sort of uh, one-size-fits-all one uh, designs of other shows. Right, and this, this is what I see as Marvel's missed op- opportunity. They should have hired the guy who did the character designs for this series and made this this the studio Marvel 
you know, base design for all future animated shows that gives them sort of congruity to their future shows. Because after this, you know, their character designs left right and left around like crazy. You know, mm-hmm. this this could have been this could have been to to Marvel what Bruce Tim was to DC's animated designs. Because with Bruce Tim, they Bruce Tim created a standard. This is what DC animation looks like. And this could have been what Marvel animation looks like. And, you know, it's simplified for animation. Yes, it ha- yet it has much better expressive style than uh, Bruce Timms right out of the box, you know. But that's not saying Bruce Timms isn't expressive. Bruce Timms, of course, is expressive. But, you know, th- this could have been the signature Marvel studio animation. And they decided not to do that. And as long as we're talking about the production team, uh, maybe we... About now is about where we should uh, mention that as we're recording this, yes, uh, we're mourning the loss of uh, Lloyd Kirkman, yes, who uh, worked on uh, the original Batman and X Men Evolution. Yes, yes, he was a producer and writer. I'm sorry to hear that. I didn't. I didn't hear that. He died while waiting for a lung transplant. It was, it was quite sad, actually. It's uh, he uh, he gave a lot of insight in the. Uh, in a lot of these great series, and you know, this was like I said, this is a sign because, like I said, he worked at the he worked for Warner Brothers Animation, which produced you know both Batman the Animated Series and X Men Evolution. Kind of ironic that Marvel's going to its stiffest competitor for help, but not surprising. It's a uh, because this is really a sturdy, well put together series that. Even though it has chinks, it overall is is well put together, yeah. streamlined, well produced, mm-hmm. and you know it, the the voice acting. You know nothing super memorable, honestly, but not bad. Well, I think we've um, kissed this series bad enough. Let's get to the stuff that's wrong with it. Okay, First, well. First and foremost, Spike. Spike was created for the series, and uh, he is a poor man's Marrow. Yeah. For those that, for those that you know, Marrow was a character in the comics that shot bones out. Here's the here's the basic rundown of Marrow. She was a member of a group called the Morlocks, a bunch of um, mutants who were so disfigured and hideous they couldn't live among normal humans, so they ended up living in the sewers. Yeah, but the crib notes. Just call them, you know, if you've seen Chugs, that's what they are. Yeah, mutant Chugs. And Marrow was like this uber badass who, could, who was in constant pain because of the bones growing out of her. So, in X-Men Evolution, Spike was um, Aurora's Storm's nephew. nephew. And he had almost the same powers, only he had better control at first. But Until he became on, like an armored beetle. Yeah. Later in the series, he lost control of his powers, and he ended up living with the Morlocks. As an armored beetle. Uh-huh. And yet, according to the creators of this series, they had no idea that Meryl existed when they created this character. I can sort of believe that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I can believe that Jeff Jones t- having Raven and Beast Boy be an item together had nothing to do with the cartoon going on at the time, too. But come on. Well, that cartoon, I, I don't know if anyone really watched that one, though. Anyways, it's a... Uh, 
this series did do a lot of weird things with uh, with the characters that continuity hounds would be upset about. Um, for instance, there was a very memorable scene in the last season where Rogue kills Mystique because Mystique was locked into a storm, stone form and Rogue pushed her off a cliff. Yay! It, uh, Sorry, I freaking hate Mystique in this series. She was like well, a Myst- bitch. Mystique, yeah, Mystique did totally fuck with their, with with Rogue's mind and, and Nightcrawler's mind. And yeah, she. She she had it coming, but at the same time, it the show made it obvious that Rogue was even at the end of the series damaged goods. Yeah, it uh, it was amb- ambiguous. It wasn't clear. Then not she wasn't a happy shiny hero. She was damaged goods, and that was one of the interesting things to me about this series because it it doesn't didn't give you the easy answer to things. Another thing this series did well was in this in the later episode when um. When um, Mero came back and he was like all covered in the beetle armor and he had like these burning spikes now. His name is Spike, not Mero. Spike. Sorry, Spike. <laughs> well, anyway, he spent this entire episode. There's this little kid who kept this little mutant kid who was like all green and weird looking and stuff. And he kept like um, his powers were beginning to emerge and he kept facing like um, prejudice, like up to the point of like um, pitchforks and stuff. Yes. At the very end. His powers completely emerge, and all the mutants around him become depowered, and that's when you realize, oh my god, this kid's a leech. This yes. He's supposed to be leech. Yes. They, 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 they just sort of throw it at you, and, you know, a lot of things that the series did, like throwing things like that at you, were, were brilliant at times. And another yeah. thing I remember was uh, in the first, uh, you know, they... they for a short time, they they fooled you into thinking that we were going to have Psylocke on the show because uh, because uh, Rogue got a new best friend that was a British chick who said her name was Betsy. Oh my God! I didn't get that until you just pointed that out to me. And it turned out, you know, it's like, oh Betsy, she's she's going to be Psylocke. It's going to be great. And then all of a sudden, no, it's it's Mystique that yeah. trying to get close to Rogue, and it was like fooled you. Actually, I knew. I figured it. Was, maybe, maybe I saw it later. I figured it was Mystique from the beginning. No, it was. It was totally fooling the eyes at the thinking that they're bringing Psylocke in the show. But the problem is this: people that read the comics or with a passing familiarity with Psylocke would think of Psylocke as an Asian chick. Well, Psylocke in this series would have been the original Psylocke that was a British chick, even though it's the same character. And I'm not getting into that continuity mess. Kind of confusing. Yes, it's if if you want to go through it, Jesse, I'll give you thirty seconds or less. Okay, basically, Psylocke was British. She died. Her mind ended up getting transferred into the body of an assassin of an Asian assassin. I think that's pretty much it. Mojo was involved too, but I don't think he was in this series. I thought Mandarin was involved in that. No, I thought that it was Mojo. Mojo figured big into Psylocke's kind of past continuity. Uh, I maybe thought Man- maybe Mandarin. I don't know. And that's why it's a continuity mess. And like I said, I think ultimately they didn't use Psylocke was because if they did, it would have to have been the British Betsy, and that would have confused the hell out of the people who read comics. And you know, it's there were a lot of decisions they, the production team made early on that pissed off a lot of people. Like for instance. 
Shadowcat, Kitty Pride, was a Valley Girl. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. There's lots of people who swore to never watch the show because Kitty Pride was a Valley Girl. How there dare they were... make Kitty Pride a Valley Girl? It'd been worse. Well, but you know, the other thing they talk... did was they had her, her and Avalanche be like a romantic item in the later series, later, later seasons. Yes, that. But by that time, Kitty Pride emerged as a leader. Which was more of what the Kitty Pride fans were looking for. She wasn't totally all ninja like she was in the comics, but that would have involved a lot too much continuity. Yeah. Short version, basically this nin this evil samurai guy kidnapped Kitty, brainwashed her into a super ninja assassin and had her fight Wolverine. Yes. I think his name was Odon. Named- Ogun. Yeah, named after the noodles. No, Ogun. Isn't that a noodle? Might be. No, you're thinking of Odin. No, I'm thinking of Udon. Yeah, Udon. Yeah. Yes. But this is Ogun. Yes. And like I said, it's they. Part of the problem is a lot of the beloved forms of these characters involves this messy continuity stuff. And to get to the original characters back when they were teenagers was controversial because it did not involve any of this continuity stuff. Rogue only had her absorption powers because that would, because for her to have her flying brook powers, that would have had to involve Carol Danvers, which yeah. was continuity stuff. And you can't introduce a character to be a hero when, you know, when you introduce her, she kills, well, almost comatizes somebody. And that's actually what they did in the 90s cartoon. They explained Rogue's origin. They showed this flashback of the Brotherhood attacking this base, and all of a sudden, Miss Marvel comes flying in. Blob's like, it's Miss Marvel! Who? And we're all like, okay, who the hell is Miss Marvel? And then Rogue drains her dry. Yep. And like I said, that's... And like I said, you know, this show, you know, abandoned all this continuity mess early on, and, you know... The, it's an upside and downside. The upside, there's no mess. Downside, the characters aren't in their recognizable form. Rogue, Rogue's, Rogue's not in her recognizable form. She's only an absorber. Kitty Pride is not a ninja assassin. She's a valley girl that phases, and uh, you know, and you know, so forth and so on. It, it's, and that is what turned a lot of the diehard fans off early on. And they abandoned it way too early, way too soon, and they should have given it a better chance, in my opinion. I have one question. Uh, the um, the jerk jock who um, Kitty was dating, not Kitty, Jean was dating. Lance. Lance. Was he? No. Okay. Also, I was going to say, uh, downside, uh, no Psylocke, no uh, Miss Marvel, no uh, uh, bathing suit heroines of any kind in this show. Hey, I don't know about you. Jean looked pretty good. They did do that once. They did do that one episode where um, all the female mutants got together and formed like this team of female vigilantes. Yes, they they wore black leather and sunglasses at night. Yeah. Well, there was a time that uh, that episode where they fought, where um, Spike was making a video and they fought Sabretooth, and um, Rogue ended up absorbing Sabretooth's power and became a werewolf. Yes, that was disgusting. Anyways, the interesting note about the episode is a sequence. The sequence where Kitty and Rogue dance was rotos was using was using rotoscope of a scene from Buffy the Vampire Slayer where Buffy and Faith were dancing. 
Fascinating, Captain. Yes, it's a... Rotoscoping, for those who do not know, is an animation technique where you trace over film, which is really one of the better ways to really learn. You shouldn't really do it when you do animation, but you should do it when you learn animation. (coughs) I mean, lots of people use it as a shortcut, like, uh, what's his name who did Lord of the Rings actually just painted over... Yeah, I was just... Dragon Bass. Yeah. You know, uh, Bakshi. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. I think they also did it for the He-Man series, for he for the original He-Man. Big time on He-Man, yeah. Yeah. Yes. When he lived to loft his ma- magic sword. Way too much on He-Man, in matter of fact. Yeah. Yes. As I understand it, isn't rotoscoping supposed to be really expensive? Because you have to, because it has a, the same tween rate as a, as film. And that's the that's another word, you know. The tween rate is very important in X-Men Evolution had it it was actually amazing because now we had animation that actually cared that it was animation it was it was amazing it was phenomenal before it was animation that just was like okay we're just animation we don't have to try hard now and now this is this is animation we have to try hard it was surprising for a marvel series people falling in three frames yes (laughs) 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 okay okay well let's get Another thing I didn't like about the series. Okay. The villain, the villains were assholes. So that was a good thing. You have to hate your villain. Well, I usually I kind of like the villains when they're kind of cool and stuff, but these guys were total pricks. Yeah. So Magneto's moment from uh, just evil to magnificent bastard was when uh, see uh, Scarlet Witch hated Magneto in this series because Magneto put her in an insane asylum. And the first thing he did, because she kept on trying to kill him, was he got he got this uh, psychic to brainwash her to think she had a happy childhood. Yeah, mastermind. Yeah, and just so... The only st- thing, he got away with it. He totally got away with it. I promise you, if they had a season five, they would have touched on it. Mm-hmm. Just mm-hmm. like they were going to touch on the cola that kills mutants. You know, season four laid, a, laid upon several checkoff guns on the table... Oh yeah, the um, it wasn't it wasn't cola, it was Gatorade. Yes, Gatorade kills mutants. Root beer kills zombies. Mm-hmm. Yep. High fructose corn syrup is the um, kryptonite to mutant kind. Well, it should kill something. It's not good for you exactly. Well, <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, like I said, it was uh. And that's another thing the series did. It left a lot of Chekhov guns behind. And as you know, Chekhov gun is a writing device, not something that uh, Starfleet Ensign holds. It basically is a writing device. Basically, if you have something introduced in the first scene to be fired in the third scene, it, it's one of those, it's one of those uh, important things because a Chekhov gun is something that you introduce early on as a concept to, our, to the audience. So when it's used, you aren't confused of what it is. The exact opposite of a checkoff gun, of course, is a MacGuffin, which has not been introduced before, just shows up, and then leaves. Yeah. Actually, a good example of um, one in the episode we saw, which was the final episode, during the um, psychic fight between Gene and Xavier. For a little background, basically, the big bad of this series was Apocalypse. And you know how in most in comics and stuff, the apocalypse has the four horsemen. They're just these random schlubs. Yeah, usually people that like have 
stupid powers like he made Angel his apocal his his uh, horseman, and Angel's only power was he had wings. He didn't even have wings at the time. They were ripped off. He had to give them mechanical wings to replace them. Yes, and he also had another horseman whose power was who was an old lady whose power was she can make plants grow a little bit. Well, anyway, in Evolution, the four horsemen were powered-up versions of Magneto, Professor Xavier, Storm, and Mystique. So they were actually A-liners. Yeah. And they were basically pretty much destroying everything around them during the entire... It was basically like 21 minutes of the X-Men getting their asses kicked. Yes, it was was, uh, probably the best episode of the whole series, in my opinion. (laughs) Neil? Well, anyway, back to my point... The, the penultimate fight was Gene was Cerebro versus Xavier. They were fighting in astral bodies. And Jean was mainly shielding herself from Xavier's attacks. And near the end of the fight, Jean made a shield that kept getting bigger and bigger. And just before it went out, it almost made the shape of a phoenix. Yes, that was, one of the, that was a Chekhov gun being set up for a later season that never occurred because... Like always, uh, you know, when Marvel starts getting a sense of success, they decide to destroy it. As we will see in the future, Marvel always has that habit. Once they start seeing what success looks like, they're afraid of it because it's different. Well, either that or they switch to doing hollow foils and variant covers again. I'm sorry, Marvel, but you really did suck in the 90s. You deserve to go bankrupt in the 90s. Yeah. Did you really think people would collect four variant covers to an issue and hollow foil covers to an issue that cost three bucks more because it was hollow foil? Did you really my think my cousin he- did? My cousin did. He actually for one of my for my um, birthdays he gave me um, a Spider-Man mini arc called um, I think it's called Tormented, where um, Craven Hunter's wife or girlfriend came and like drove the lizard insane. And I think it had like a he. And that thing he gave me had, like, three different versions of the first issue. Like, one that was silver and one that was gold and stuff. Yeah. So yeah, some people did that. Not enough to save Marvel. True. But still, I don't think I don't think even Marvel deserved Joe Quesada. Uh, after Holofoils, they sort of did. I mean, Holofoils. No. Neil, what do you think of Holofoils? I never had one. I wasn't collecting Marvel books at that time. Hmm. Good answer. Any comics at that time. I mean, but the thing is, the variant covers and stuff like that smells of desperation. It's a, you know, Marvel at the time, you know, this series was becoming successful. You know, the first two seasons were trashed by people. I think unfairly so. Not exactly as stunning as the last two seasons, but not bad. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the the last two seasons, more than I made it for, the, for a lackluster first half. And I think a lot of people were very uh, unfair to the whole product because of it. And in the end, you know, this show was canceled. And the next major Marvel animated production were the animated movies, which were direct to DVD, you know, as, uh, you know, the anime fans would call them, they would be... OVAs. I always pronounce that OVA. Neil? I don't think that's supposed to be an acronym. It is. Original Video Animation. Well, I, well, that's that's an abbreviation. It's an acronym is when you pronounce pronounce it as a word. 
Ah. I've never heard Ova. Well, sure I, you have. Oh, well, and that's it, in a different context. But, but Well, anyway, another chick I was going to remember was the first end of the first season when the um, Mystique was mutated by the thing. And she came out and she was like Amazonian scaly. She was supposed to look like her movie version. Yeah. And we never saw her that again. Well, she's a shapeshifter. Oh, yeah. That's what I kind of figured. I figured that um, she wouldn't use that as her default form. I mean, she's it was like a seven-foot-tall scaly Amazon. Yes. But, you know, like I said, that was uh, that's just how the series is. It, uh, it made a lot of good decisions. It was definitely... It was definitely forced to do things by Marvel, by Marvel directly because they changed Wolverine's costume to a non-costume look to correspond with the fact that the movie Wolverine didn't have a mask on. Another thing is that they had an episode with Captain America, all in flashback. Yeah, and it was pretty good, and it's definitely set up things to where if they have chosen to use this continuity as a launching point for a whole. Marvel anime universe, which I thought they should have done, by the way. They could have introduced Captain America again. They could have introduced the Avengers again. This was a perfect springboard series. Much as how Batman and Superman were springboards to Justice League. This was a perfect springboard series. It was a perfect opportunity. Marvel got chickened out doing it because it meant pretty much signing over all their animated properties over to Warner Brothers, who owned DC, and that would have looked bad to them because it would pretty much said, we give up, we don't know how to do animation. Which they didn't! They absolutely did not know what they were doing, and they should have done that. So instead of a springboard, they chose to walk the plank. Yes. They chose to walk the plank, dear matey. Yes. But, it, like I said, Marvel, for better, from worse does create interesting characters, does create interesting themes in X-Men Evolution using the idea of, you know, focusing on the teenager aspect of the X-Men, of mutanthood, did something interesting with the franchise, with the properties that wasn't done quite this way before and hasn't been done quite this way since. I, I recommend this series. It's alright. And it is available to watch on Marvel's YouTube channel for free, the whole series. You can watch it right now for free. I recommend you do it. You don't have to look for torrents for it. Marvel's hosting it all. It's all in it's all in beautiful, high quality, no commercials. Just watch it. Enjoy it. Remember, you know, they you know, DC should definitely do this with their older series. They won't. Marvel should definitely do this with their better series. They won't. I don't know why they chose to do this with Evolution, but enjoy it while they're still doing it. Mm-hmm. And if you're listening to Marvel, put Iron Man Armored, put the first season of Iron Man Armored Adventures up there, too. If you're listening to Marvel, don't listen to him. Hey. <laughs> hey. Neil. Hey. <laughs> All right, Neil. That's, yeah, I, ne- I agree with that. Okay, so, Neil, do you give this series a recommendation? Yeah, on the caveat that you don't come to it with expectations. If you want it to be like X-Men the 90s series, you're going to be pissed off. Well, that's because, like like we said, most of the reason the characters are the way they were in the 90s series was because of continuity. Tons and tons and gobs and gobs and volumes and volumes of continuity. Which is offensive to the new fan. 
But yeah, come in the series fresh, or come in the series with an open mind, and I promise you, by the time you get to see the first episode of season three, you will be begging for more. And so yeah, so this is a recommendation for me, Jesse. Recommendation? Yeah, recommendation, I guess. Neil. Recommendation. We have a very first recommendation. Holy crap! Dogs and cats living together. Mass hysteria. Yes. My cat. Yes. So, once again, uh, next week we will be talking about the Marvel animated movies. Uh, This is Ben. Jesse. TV's Mr. Neil. And we will join you next time. Thank you.